Hey everyone, it's Nellie Thomas here. How are you doing? This is Dear Nellie, Sex, Relationships and Dating from the Other Side of 40. We hope you're loving the podcast as much as we are. A few quick things before we get into the show. Uh, for information about our fabulous live shows, which we do semi-regularly, go to NellieThomas.com and follow the links. We've just done a few in Melbourne, one in Sydney, and we'll be back for more early next year in 2024. Now your listener calls are the backbone of this podcast. They're the best. Chuck out the rest. Take a chance. Send me in your question, your comment, your dating story, regret, anything really. We absolutely love hearing from you and you can remain anonymous. Follow the links on my website or see the show notes for more information. To support the podcast and keep it coming out for free, please rate it on whatever app you're on now. Just pull it out. Hopefully give it a five-star rating that helps other people find it. Tell your mates, share it on socials, do all that stuff. If you can, please join Patreon or Acast Plus for five bucks a month and you get a bonus episode every month and some other perks. If you can't, that's also fine. Just keep listening every week for free. We can't do this without you. Now, this podcast was recorded in the council area known as Maribyrnong in Melbourne. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nation, and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Last but not least, if you're new to the podcast, this is a sex, dating and relationships podcast for adults. Let me put it this way. If you don't like swearing, it's really going to give you the shit. So off your fuck. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dear Nelly, I could use some advice, dear Nelly. Yes, yeah, some help would be nice, dear Nelly. I'm eager to hear your point of view, dear Nelly. There's a lot to explore, dear Nelly. When you're 40 or more, dear Nelly. So I'm hoping we can talk it through. Let's get going. Let's do it. Um, to Dear Nelly, Sex, Relationships and Dating from the Other Side of 40. And we are joined today by a very special guest by the name of Renee Thompson. Hello, Renee. Hello. It's kind of unusual hearing myself be called yeah. Renee Thompson because I haven't really used my real name very much in these kind of things up until recently. Would you rather Renee the Celebrant? Oh, no. Renee Thompson's good. It's actually my name, so we're good. Yeah. (laughs) Now, beautiful Renee, I am going to, because I think it is probably one of our mutual favourite stories, let you tell the story of how we met. (laughs) I was hoping we'd be able to touch on this because it is a good one. It's We were at 
Chill Out Festival 2023. Yeah. me and my crew had come up to Dalesford to throw a tomboy in the bush, right? Yes. All very exciting to bring all the queers to the country and meet the country queers. We yeah. took ourselves out for a real fancy meal in Hepburn Springs one night and couldn't find the shuttle bus to get home. <laughs> it had a few edibles and also <laughs> quite a few cocktails and wines feeling very fancy. So we're like, we'll just walk back to Dalesford. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, on the side of the road. On the side of the road. There was no footpath. Next minute, this mum wagon pulls up like (laughs) full van. And we're like, who's this? And the Mormons arrived. And uh, who was it but dear Nelly? To which point they're like, are you tomboy? And it made us feel very famous. Um, So then you offered us a lift. We all jumped in. And my very mouthy drunk twin brother kept making jokes about why don't you come to Tomboy and lock your kids up in the night? And yeah, I think that he also thought that your partner was your child. It was yeah. all appropriate. <laughs> uh, oh, I'd block that bit out. Yeah. I remember that. And I remember him or possibly someone else just starting to do that full, once we packed you all into the car, the full, mom, can we have a drink? That would have been Mark. <laughs> so for listeners, I am not accustomed to picking up hitchhikers, but if you haven't been to the Chill Out Festival, it is indeed very chilled out and a very safe and sort of lovely space. And I thought, why not? Like these guys need a lift, jump in the car, and we became friends from there. Yeah, it was real special. And thank you for getting us home safe that night. You're most welcome. And uh, so let me, actually, I'm going to let you do it. You are multifaceted in terms of your work. You have a normal job. I also know you through running the Tomboy events. Can you give us a little explanation of Tomboy? Yeah, so I've got all my fingers in all the pies, just where I like them. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is it hot in here? Yeah. <laughs> um, so Tomboy actually was born out of pretty selfish um, reasons. I was single and I didn't really want to use apps, not in a judgmental way, just I didn't like the way that they made me feel. I didn't yeah. like the way that they made me feel like I was being judgmental of others based on a photograph and some words when mm. for me humans are so much more than that. Yes. They're a four-day experience. So. Yeah. I had been working in the event space at the time. I knew a lot of people and I just thought, fuck it, I'm going to produce a, an event that fits all of the things that I'm looking for in an event. Yeah. And some of those things were a space where you can sit and chat, yeah, uh, smoke ciggies because a lot of our community smokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but then having a space where people can dance and get a little bit freaky if they mm. want to choose mm. your adventure kind of thing. Yeah. But also something that was in the city that was central to everyone. No mm. more north side, south side bullshit. Yeah. Just like community, creative, mm. artistic, mm. left of center queers. And yeah. so that was six years ago mm. uh, and still going strong and always keeping it mostly free when we have events. The only ones we ticket are the Tomboy After Dark events, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit. Yes. And, you know, one of, I love two things about this. One is that when you see a need that you have yourself and cannot find it, that you go, all right, I'm doing that then. 
I'd say, I mean, it's a completely different um, space, but the same vibe. That's how I started writing children's books because I could not find books that I thought reflected my kids and that I wanted them to read. And I'm like, all right, well, I guess I better do that. Like I love that kind of um, I can't bear passivity in the Mm. face of difficulty. Do you know what I mean? It's like who else is going to do it? Right. And I also didn't want to just bitch about the fact that I didn't like the things that already existed because just because it's not for me doesn't mean that it's not for somebody else. So I wanted to do something that didn't compete with the other events that were on that actually just offered something different. And also something that was for all ages, right? Yes. Literally all ages, not just this is a nightclub where 20 something year olds go, I don't like nightclubs. I ain't going to put an event on in a nightclub. It's just not my, my vibe. Yeah, no, same. And I think the other thing I really love about Tomboy, I mean, it's full of weirdos, which is completely my vibe, mm-hmm. but also that inclusivity is not, um, it's not a token gesture. There are all ages, there are all sexualities, there are all gender expressions, there are different like types of, there's neurodiverse people, there's people with disabilities, there's like, there's such a range of people coming together rather than going, well, this is a lesbian event over here, or this is a straight dating event, or the much like hopefully this podcast. It's like everyone come, come on. Yeah, come lots together. of my straight friends come to Tomboy too. Like yeah. that's the thing, because uh, especially for straight girls, they don't have opportunity to be in a sexually liberated space like yes. that without being preyed upon. Yes. So like a lot of my straight friends or people who are questioning or intrigued, yeah. like it's not the sort of place that we're going to turn you around at the door if you don't fit in some sort of identity. And the whole idea of a lesbian event's kind of outdated now. Like mm. so many people who once identified as lesbians are now non-binary or trans mm. and they're still attracted to the same kind of people. So why mm. shouldn't they be able to come and enjoy mm. this? And, and my... That- my mouthy twin brother, who is a cisgay yeah. man, yeah. he, my other best mate, they come along to Tomboy every month and they have a lovely time. Yeah. Like you said, you can just go and have a chat. You can also pick up if that's what you want. You can yeah. go on the dance floor if that's what you want. And having that available in a space where, like, consent is so prominent actually I think lets people really properly relax. So mm. even though you, you're walking into a quite charged environment, like a quite sexualized environment in a positive sense in that it's okay to express your sexuality, but it's also a very low pressure environment, which is the sweet spot, I think. I'm so glad to hear that. Well done to you. Thank you. Well done. Um, Now, can you take me back to little Renee? Little Mm. Renee, how old are you now? Because you look Um, like 30. Yeah, I'm about to turn 39, so I'm almost hitting your demographic. Yeah. Although they say you're only as old as the woman you feel, and my girlfriend's 42, so. I was going to say, you, you don't mind a bit of a milf action there, young yeah. Renee, so yeah. we'll we'll let you in. Yeah. <laughs> we'll Cougars are my jam. Yeah, so you're oh. close to 40, close yeah. enough. Yeah. If you take me back to teenage Renee, what was, were you dating? What was going mm. on? Yeah, so I grew up in country Northern Ireland as a teenager. So my life consisted of playing in pipe bands. I was a competitive drummer in pipe bands for most of my childhood. Um, And with that came, I guess, my social life and community. There wasn't much else to do over there. It was either that or get drunk. Mm. Um, And 
church. I was brought mm. up in church. My parents are both born again Christians. So we were very conservative in me. Wow. Yeah. And so people ask me why I'm so kinky today. And I think a lot of that has been born out of that conservative upbringing. Oh, no shit, mate. <laughs> I used to masturbate a lot whenever I was a kid. Like it was wild. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. I didn't know what it yeah. meant, but I yeah. knew that it felt good and I liked to do it a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's fascinating. I remember at uni, so I come from a similar background, but in WA, and I remember friends of mine who were like really the first progressive kind of parents that I met who were really open-minded and, you know, not hippies, but very progressive kind of vibes. And of course, one of their kids became a born again Christian, you know, it's like the opposite Always. of what you've done. I'm just like, no, mum and dad, uh, uh, no, I'm doing something different. He then, you know, went down another path, but I think it's a really interesting trajectory. Yeah. Uh, with conservative upbringings usually you go the other way and vice versa some of my most woke friends their yeah. kids are so like yeah vanilla yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah whereas I think the last time I saw you you may have been dressed as a nun yeah <laughs> <laughs> hence where those kinks come from you know well I suppose the catholic thing was never my upbringing but definitely the the religion and the yeah. kind of I have a tattoo on my chest that's an upside down crucifix and it's got under my tits the three vows that nuns take. Can oh, you wow. guess what they are? Um, fidelity. Close. No, you're going to have to tell me. Chastity. Hot, right? <laughs> that's so hot. Poverty. Right. And obedience. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> so I just thought that that was so hot. And I used to do performances under my alter ego sister, Eileen Ulick, her name yeah. is. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, I, said that, yeah. I said that they branded me after trying to run away from the convent. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> so your little teenage Renee, you're in a conservative household, conservative, conservative town. You're masturbating. Do you know you're masturbating? Uh, I didn't really understand what was happening and yeah. we didn't really have the internet back then to Google everything, yeah. after, you know. Um, <laughs> you but I suppose, on the job. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I suppose yeah. I've always been really in tune with myself and how I feel. So I didn't, and guilt and shame was always such a big part of a, a conservative upbringing. So I guess that was what kind of got me off more as well. It was like, I'm doing this and I'm not supposed to be kind of thing. So you knew you weren't supposed to be? I guess in church they would, you know, talk about fornication. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> you say that with such a cheeky smile. <laughs> you can't see this on the podcast. I find it a really interesting idea, though, because for some kids in that environment, because sex and masturbation and bodies are not talked about at all, there's a kind of perverse logic where they don't know that what they're doing is quote-unquote wrong. Mm. Right, they find out later because no one's talking about anything, mm. and then there's your other fire and brimstone where you're told from a very young age, you know, all of the myths and your palms are going to be hairy and you're going to hell and all that sort of stuff. So it's interesting. I mean, it's hard to remember. I'm guessing whether you how conscious you were of of sin, Renee. Mm. Well, it was sin, wasn't it? Look, I was doing it from a very young age, from as mm. old as I can remember, really, and um, doing it in secret. And I think that was the most fun part of it for me. But, yeah, mm. I don't know that I realised until I was probably a teenager that it was, quote, unquote, wrong. 
Yeah. Interesting. And so when did you start dating like human beings other than yourself? I've always been into humans. Like I, I yeah. love people. I love connecting. I, I was very excited as a teenager to like kiss boys because that's yeah. what you do. And yeah. so I started kissing boys at around like 13, 14. Yeah. Well, um, at school? Like at where are you finding these boys? Yeah, yeah at, school. at yeah. school and sometimes at youth group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the old chestnut like going down the back alley and like sticking your hands <gasps> in each other's pants oh, kind of thing. Isn't um, that amazing? Yeah, so I think I was always really curious by sec- my own sexuality and other people. So I I was compelled from a pretty young age to be a sexual person. Mm. Um, I it was very much drummed into me that no sex before marriage, like that was just a hell no. So mm. whenever I did have opportunity to have sex. I was always quite afraid to have penetrative sex. So Mm. I was just really into doing lots of oral sex and things like that where Mm. I couldn't be found out or get pregnant Mm. or Mm. all those things that had been scared into me Mm. my whole childhood. Mm. Isn't that incredible? I remember when I was doing sex ed shows with teenagers, I mean, I'll be very careful for privacy reasons, but long story short, there were multiple incidents where young women in particular would tell me situations that I would absolutely consider coercive where they'd been coerced into anal sex on the basis that um, it wasn't actually sex and that it wasn't a sex. And the lack of, like the layers of fucked upness in that, Mm. A, the idea that it's not sex, but also that this kid has been less vulnerable Mm. to coercion because they've never been educated yeah. about either consent or what sexual contact means. Yeah, and so anal sex is a full-on thing. It's oh. a very full-on thing, and it's something that you need to understand mm. and know how to do it right. And for young people, like, that could be quite traumatic. Oh, 100% traumatic. And if you have been told sex is penis in vagina and it only happens in marriage, how would you know otherwise? You are so vulnerable to exploitation. That is the great irony of that lack of info. Yeah. So when you get into your 20s, say, do you start getting over the penetrative? Oh, I got over it at about <laughs> 17. <laughs> I got it over at about 17. But yeah. I think also that kind of um, abstinence is something that has fueled my sexual desire as well. Yeah. Like I'm so turned on at not getting what I want now. Like that yeah. has really <laughs> turned me into, like that's now one of my kinks. So I yeah. think. Like, I don't regret any of it. But, yeah. you know, I always had boyfriends because I didn't really start dating women until I was in my 20s. Yeah. And, you know, I was horny. I was so fucking horny. But yeah. eventually, when I did decide at 17 that I was going to let my boyfriend stick it in me, had a really small cock. <laughs> <laughs> I barely touched the sides. Of oh, my God. I just <laughs> took a sip of coffee as you I was not expecting <laughs> When I decided to let my boyfriend stick it in me. Uh, oh, and how yeah. did that go? Didn't touch the sides. Didn't touch the sides. I just remember, like, <laughs> he put a condom on and everything. God love him. And then it yeah. just was like, saggy on there. Like, it didn't even touch. Oh, bless. Her bastard, I know. You know what, though? Again, in terms of the lack of information and how we don't talk about stuff, I remember having conversations with friends who would say, I think... I think he put it in. I think we had sex. I'm not sure. Like 
it blows my mind to think that we're in that vacuum. Yeah. How do you not know if you've had mm. penetrative sex? But mm. if you're in a vacuum of misinformation or no information, maybe. Or if you're disconnected from your genitals as well, right? Yes, if you're dissociating, all that kind of stuff. So that didn't go so well by the sounds of it. You graduate oh, to. It was all right, yeah. And then I guess after I'd done that, then I was like, okay, I've gotten past the first one, you know, yeah. the one, get that yeah. out of the way. And part of me just really wanted to get that out of the way. Yes. Then, you know, that was it. I, there was more dickens than weekends, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still in your small town at this point? Yeah, very much. So you, this is like a, a an Irish shit great situation. You're just working your way through the town. Yeah, and, you know, playing in the pipe bands, I was working my way around all the boys in the bands, and, you know, there was very few women in the bands, so that yeah. was easy. I was getting a lot of attention. Yeah, <laughs> I bet. Yeah, and so it wasn't until I uh, moved out of the country town and into the city, into Belfast, that I started to even understand that I had attraction to other genders. It was actually one of my friends told me I was a lesbian. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah, my mate Amy. God love her. Thank you, Amy. And so then that was when I started to, uh, I was about 21, started to explore gay bars and the queer scene and women in general. And that was an interesting time. I I was quite frightened and I didn't really know how to go about um, picking people up, meeting people. Mm. I'm not an instigator in those situations. Mm. I think we've talked about this before. Like being an instigator, a lot of people, when you have a big personality, expect that you're going to be the one that is the instigator. Mm. And I was new. I just wasn't ready yet. So I think that I felt like it was easier to pick up guys than it was to pick up girls in the Mm. beginning. So yeah, it took me a little while to find my flow. I definitely had lots of good friends that I fell in love with who were definitely not that queer themselves. (laughs) But I think we all have those experiences in the days too. Um, So it took me a little while to find my feet. But once I found my flow, I was very much the scene queen in Belfast, as you (laughs) Yes, I can. Um, Yeah. But then I did the whole, well, I'm a lesbian now thing. And so Mm -hmm. that was my identity for quite a while, maybe another 10 or 15 years before I had to come back out again as bi or multi-gender attracted. And how did that happen? Well, every few years between relationships, I would have what I called Mr. Haps. Yeah. Um, I would, you know, get drunk, be out, get a guy, pick me up, have a lovely time, and then be like, oh, shit, I had another Mr. Hap. Whoops. Yeah. I'll go back to being a leso again. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was working in a, a queer organization where I was just witnessing how much biphobia there was around mm. that I realized that I had to start being more vocal mm. about my identity for the sake of the bi community. Yeah, I- 100%. Like you and I have had these discussions before. I don't like the labels, but I do the same thing for the same reason because I know how many people who are bisexual, pansexual, queer, whatever, categories that people don't understand um, are quite frankly suffering, you know, mm. and and often really isolated and um, full of shame from both communities yes. and like enough of that shit, enough. enough of that shit. Like enough. we're not having it. 
Agreed. And that was a big thing at Tomboy that I wanted to ensure was if there was ever any biphobia going on in the space that we nipped it in the bud there and then. Mm. So many of the people that come to Tomboy are in relationships that might appear to be heterosexual on Mm. the outside. And Mm. this is their only opportunity to find community. And Mm. I want them to know that that's their community too, because Mm. I think there's like ridiculous stats around how many bisexual people there are like and so many of them are invisible oh I mean every study of sexuality since Kinsey in what the 50s Mm. has shown that in terms of attraction and even behavior it's the vast majority of people whether they identify as such is different Mm. um but it's commonly uncommon to be bisexual Mm. you know in in whatever way So do you prefer, like, is there a label I should use with you? Do you prefer bi? Do you prefer pan? Do you prefer nothing? Renee? I really don't mind. I identify as horny. Uh, (laughs) No. Um, (laughs) Look, I just think humans are hot. I I have joked in the past that I'm like a 70-30. I'm like 70% into women and 30% into men. That's actually just ridiculous. I think that for me, the utopia is just no more labels human to human yeah if you think someone's hot because look at the way we're going everybody's genderless looking now yeah. Anyway, yeah, right yeah. so yeah. and even I experience my gender in different ways from day to day one day I'll be femme the next day I'll be a tomboy so mm. I just think that we restrict mm. ourselves with these labels at times yeah. too but I completely understand why they're important still but yeah. that's where I'm at with them mm. yeah in terms of utopia I'm exactly the same they're, they're necessary for activism Um, they're fucked for humans Mm. is the way that I would put it. So flash forward, you're now in a relationship that's quite long-term. Yeah, it's the real deal. She's The real deal. Tell me. Yeah. Uh, It happened when I least expected it. As Um, usual. As usual, yeah. We were both at a mutual friend's very queer wedding. Yeah. I was not the celebrant at this yeah. one. Um, and, yeah, I'd actually taken another girl to the wedding with me. Yeah. And we, everybody at the wedding was flirting. Like, it was a queer wedding. Yeah. Everybody was flirting. Everybody was hot. It was very much like queer, dancer, burlesque-type people. Yeah. So it was a really fun time. Um, and then the same friend had a birthday party, and we were both at the birthday party together. Yeah. It was back when Huncho Disco was at the 86 on Thursday nights. Oh, fun. And I was dancing around. I was dressed like Lara Croft out of Tomb Raider. Oh, gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Angelina. Um, yeah. And I was yeah. dancing around with my tits out. And she came <laughs> up to me and said, uh, can you undo the zip on the back of my dress for me, please? And I said, oh, okay. Why? Because yeah. I want to get my tits out too. <laughs> hey. Um, oh, that's yeah. a line. So, yeah. And she's got cracking tits. So that pretty much sealed <laughs> the deal. <laughs> right we're getting married (laughs) (laughs) no no marriage we're not neither of us are married people doesn't make me a shit celebrant if I'm not married no it doesn't we'll come back to that but Mm -hmm. so did you did she instigate then you didn't have to be the instigator this one time no and that was the hottest thing ever like fam tops give me those fam tops (laughs) now explain for listeners obviously I know what a fam top is (laughs) obviously but what is a fam top Uh, I think the thing that helped me to understand my sexuality more was understanding the terms top and bottom and in the gay guy community they're really 
literate with this and they use the term top and bottom to understand who's the instigator and who's the receiver essentially in sexual terms you can kind of get the picture right on top and who's on the bottom yeah but we can actually apply that to our relationships too and I think that when you do it helps you to understand kind of the role that you play in that Mm. sort of instigation piece Mm. so uh, what I didn't realize until pretty much when I met her was actually I really like femme tops and they're as rare as hand's teeth. (laughs) (laughs) So So, femme top though, you mean like femme is the... I'm really into femme women. I'm really attracted to femme women. And this is um, literally as it sounds, like women who look stereotypically feminine. More feminine, yeah. Yeah, but by top, you mean with a bit of BDE. Yeah, likes to big dick energy all the way, likes to instigate, likes to take control. But, you know, I say that in a way that it's it's versatile too, but default, default, big dick energy, big clear energy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I'm and you and I've discussed this as well. I'm the same. Like I when I'm asked, I'm like, I love a hot butch, but it's not like exclusive. Mm. You know, like there's mm. a whole range of of humans that I can find attractive. But mm-hmm. there's something about that, I don't know, maybe it's an early nineties aesthetic that I'm yearning for. <laughs> you know? but there was something really rebellious at that time looking like that. Correct. Because, you know, butch women did not have an easy time back then. No. With dykes on bikes, and I've mm. always had a lot of respect for the dykes on bikes and the work that they did back when the AIDS epidemic was at its peak. Mm. They were riding around the beats and keeping gay men safe because yeah. of their butch identities, you yeah. know. And I think, like, it was confronting for people seeing women mm. be hyper masculine mm. back then. Mm. And I think to some extent, still is like it mm. just depends what circles you're running in. Yeah. Um, but that part of that, I mean, one of the most lovely callers we had, I had said casually in a joking way that I loved a hot butch and on the podcast and she rang and and she it was really moving. She was like in the community that she's in, she doesn't feel um like valued or like she's attractive. And this is in a queer community. And she's like, yeah. just to hear someone say that in the positive was actually really affirming. Because we yeah. forget not everyone's living in bubbles of acceptance you know Mm. it's not easy to walk through the world not gender conforming yeah I mean for me that's hot yeah absolutely and so many of my friends our age who are still butch um like love to be called daddy and I'm so here for it (laughs) like that whole reclaiming of that like fuck yeah. yeah so you like the correct me if I'm wrong but you like the the power play, yeah. In that, yeah, and expand, can you expand on that? Because I think this will be a new concept for some listeners. Yeah. So the whole idea of mom and dad. Well, that's your parents, right? They're the people that made you. But mommy and daddy. Well, there's something yeah. about that because for queer people, I think what we're doing is repairing in a kink way some mm. of those negative relationships we may have had with our parents of origin. Mm. So like shifting some of that stuff around and turning it into play helps Mm. you to process a lot of it as well Mm. Um, and so some of my early uh, experiences of kink were with someone who did mummy role play Mm. and some people are really confronted by that but I think when it's consensual and Mm. everybody's getting something out of it well then Mm. not it's a role Um, I think that's the thing that needs to be made clear it is not about it's not pedophilic 
Yeah. That is, that's the concern. It is two yeah. consenting adults playing with the idea. No different, I think, than, I don't know, nurse play. It's or... about nurturance and caregiving, right? Yeah. yeah. So um, I always like to say I'm a, a social top and a sexual bottom. Yeah. I spend a lot of time being a social talk. So yeah. whenever I'm in the confines of my safe spaces, well, I want to be cared for and nurtured. And yeah. that kind of like dominant mommy caring role play really feeds into that. Now I'm dying to ask you and you share as much or as little as you want, but you are in an open relationship. Yeah. It's hard and- to put a label yeah. on what we have. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. because it's I would say non-monogamous rather than open oh what's the difference well it that language just feels better for me I don't think there's much difference I think it's just what feels better so open I guess feels like it's more no hierarchy for me Mm -hmm. but non-monogamous makes me feel like hey whenever we need to we have the freedom and the space to be with other people yeah okay so the open thing implies kind of open slather and that your partner's not number one. Yeah, that's what it feels like for me. But everybody yeah. has their own relationship. Has their own thing, yeah. Mm-hmm. And are you comfortable explaining how that works? Yeah, absolutely. When we first met, both of us had multiple partners and we always kept that conversation open from the beginning. And in my last serious relationship was when I realised that I wasn't monogamous but I didn't want to be a cheater and mm. so that relationship ended up breaking down based on that. Mm. And that was around the time that I realized I wanted to explore kink and fetish as well. So mm. it was a it was my Saturn return doll. It was a big, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was a big time of shift in my life. I'd experienced a really huge loss in my family. And it was just a, a big time of like, what's important to me? Am I being the truest version of myself that I really want to be? What about these dirty little secrets I have in the back of my head that are just not letting me fully be present? And so I had to have some really difficult conversations with my partner at the time. And Mm. she was actually really open to letting me have a go at exploring kink and everything and seeing how that felt for both of us. In the end, it didn't work. Mm. So I was starting any relationship beyond that with that still in my head, I need to be sure that from the beginning, Mm. I'm honest with any partner that I'm with that I'm not a monogamous person Mm. and then negotiate what that looks like. Mm. So my current partner, she's also bi, which meant she's in, she's very much known that she's always going to have needs as well. Mm. And I did listen to a previous podcast when you were talking about, um, lesbians dating bi people and worrying that they'd want to run away with someone else Mm. everybody's different Mm. in both of our circumstances both of us do feel the need sometimes to have some d yeah (laughs) Um, yeah and that's something you know what if you know that yeah like the part that i object to is the assumption yeah right that, that will be needed 
it's always a conversation. It should always be a conversation. And so we were both really honest and open from the get go about that. And, you know, as I said, we both have multiple people on the go. So Mm. it was pretty obvious that that's how things were beginning. Mm. But then we had a global pandemic and we were forced into monogamy again, Mm. based on the fact that we couldn't really see other people. Mm. So we've kind of had to renegotiate what that looks like coming back out of lockdowns. Mm. And some of those rules are a bit different from what they were in the beginning, Mm. based on the fact that we've been together much longer now. Mm. We're both really busy. Mm. And, um, you know, we're, we're, much more in love than we were when we first Mm. negotiated all of those things so Mm. we have to be caring for each other in the way that we do these things as well so now it kind of looks like uh party passes at tomboy Mm. go for your life have fun yeah we're always really happy for each other to have a good time and have the flirtation have a bit of physicality yeah there's limits to it yep and often that feels like enough yeah but sometimes we'll play with other people together Mm. um, and that also feels really fun and also not something that feels as difficult for the other person that's not participating Mm -hmm. Mm. but we're really in a place right now where we're keeping that conversation open as Mm. as we feel and Mm. so we both know that the options are there if and when Mm. we need them and Mm. as I said sometimes that just feels enough Mm. That's sometimes just having the choice, mm-hmm. right? And, I mean, I say this, like, weirdly from a parenting perspective. Oh. Give the kids as many choices as you can. The yeah. minute someone feels controlled, <clears throat> they will buck against that control. Like right. that is almost human nature. So having the permission to have that conversation. The other thing I love about it is, you know, you started, I think, the explanation by saying, like, I didn't want to be a cheater. To me, this whole concept is far more ethical than the behaviour of most people who are talking about it in the negative. Mm. Like, oh, open relationship, you know, they're all fucking around and they're, you know, very pejorative kind of discussion. Mm. And then you look at the stats and you're like, well, someone's fucking around, but it's not the people in open relationships or in non-monogamous relationships. It is people cheating. Yeah. And it's easy no. to cheat, you know, that's the easy. thing. It's, it's not easy to negotiate all of these things. We yeah. do monthly check-ins with full agendas, like it's lesbian as fuck. You have an agenda? Yeah. Oh, it's I a, love it's it. a resource that I got off the Multi-Amory podcast. And Amazing. It's a radar, R-A-D-A-R. Yeah. And that's an acronym. And what it does is you review the last month or the last period between check-ins. Yeah. And then you go through the agenda, which covers things like health, dating, sex, yep. house, all of those things, other partners. And yep. then at the end you reconnect, whether that's a date, sex, massage, intimacy, yep. whatever. And honestly, I recommend it to everyone. I'll send that's you a link. Right. Please. Um, it's for I've recommended it to so many people and everyone mm. that started doing it is like, wow, this is a game changer. But mm. you have to do it when things are good, not just when things yes. are no exactly I'll put a link in the show notes I love the intentionality of it now I want it we've gone way over time but I don't care um I want to know because you're a wedding celebrant right Mm -hmm. which I find like just the deliciousness of this 
I mean, I met you in the context of like, oh, that's that chick who organizes those kink events. Mm. (laughs) I love the idea of like a kinkster also being a wedding celebrant, which is a very traditional um, mm. I mean, not that your weddings are traditional. Not my weddings. But, you know, <laughs> like the traditional concept. Mm. So what is it that draws you to celebrancy, given you don't want to get married and you're a horny bitch? Yeah. One of my mates called me the patron saint of pleasure and I was like, yeah. I like that. That's I nice. They all feed into each other really, you know, connection, human connection, and whether that's love or sex or mm. dating, it's all it's all linked. And I've always loved love and people and pleasure. And mm. I think being able to hold space for people on their most important day is really special. But I got into it based on the fact that I was pretty heavily into the marriage equality campaign when that was happening six years ago and I Mm. thought to myself this has been really fucked for our community but Mm. how good would it be to be part of the joy that we then experience marrying queer people to each other and bringing queer chosen family together Mm. and dissecting marriage and distilling it into something that actually resonates for us as a community Mm. so it's I feel like I've been really part of something quite special in the way that we've kind of set the tone with queer weddings Mm. to a point where I'm now watching straight weddings start to like emanate some of the stuff oh yeah and queers have always led the way with style and trend anyway absolutely in a love space I think it's really cool I think it's lovely and it reminds me you know when you said before that sort of reclaiming like for me it's reclaiming the word queer like I've been into the queer theory thing you know for decades and I see that as a really powerful reclaiming for you like re- even the something like hello daddy mm. and this is another version of that right yeah and it's- for sex attracted people there is no patriarchy so yeah. I think that's the other thing we have to remember too like we're kind of like old staunch feminists, like, oh, no, marriage is not for me. And that's not why I don't want to get married. But mm. I can understand why women of our age are like anti-marriage, you know. Mm-hmm. But when people experience a queer wedding, mm. they're just like, holy fucking shit, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever experienced. Yeah, yeah it's And to be able to stand there and say marriage is the union of two people instead of a man and a woman, mm. is such a powerful thing to do and mm. say. And, mm. yeah, I I think our community really deserve to experience that mm. joy and affirmation that they haven't had to, ha- haven't been able to in the past. All right, I am going to move us on. Would you like to do a listener call? Absolutely, let's do right. it. Hi, Nelly. My name is Nat. Firstly, I just want to say an incredibly deep thank you to you for your bravery, your courage, and your honesty. Your podcast has literally saved me. I have just come out of a 28-year marriage, five years, last five years with a child with addiction, and it took its toll and we didn't survive. Your podcast listened at 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the morning, is literally what kept me going in my darkest moments. It's for that reason I'm recording this and I want to give back to you and the community of your podcast. I decided to get back out there and go online dating. And that was very much due to how much, you know, you said get back out there. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to do it. And 
I had literally shut down sexually, felt numb, felt like my sex life was gone, over, never to return again, which was pretty upsetting for me because I'm a pretty, um, a woman with a really high libido and a squirter. And I know you've already had things on squirters, so I'm, I feel free and easy to say that. So online dating, literally the first encounter was um, a man that really literally just wanted sex, although I said I wanted a relationship. And so I went for it, basically. And um, he started talking, I came on fire and bam, it was back on. And I kind of went on a flurry of cyber sexing is probably the best way to say it. So this is, you know, I've been in a 28 year marriage, one person. So the, and the first sort of person I came across was a dorm. Now let's just think 50 shades of gray here, ladies and gentlemen, because that's exactly what was going on. Um, pretty bloody exciting. And until I mentioned emotions to which my first ghosting occurred, I was pretty gutted actually by that. Um, so that was kind of like my first learning curve. I, I decided, okay, I'm going to take the, the best things away from this. And he introduced me to splash blankets, which as a squirter, I had no fucking idea this even existed. Completely changed my life sexually. Look them up if you're a squirter. Even look them up if you're not because they are fucking fantastic. So that was awesome. And I was kind of like, okay, fuck you. You ghosted me. I'm going to take the best. Then I went from there to a relationship with, uh, I'm in the, I'm up in the high reaches of um, Northern New South Wales and started a relationship with a 65 year old man who talked himself up so much about what he was going to do to me and all the rest of it. Um, I did end up meeting him and booked an Airbnb. He had flown up from Melbourne to Brisbane, so it was a big deal. And the first sexual encounter, basically he got off, rolled over and went to sleep. Had to finish myself off. So I gave him that feedback. That didn't last long. So... That was my first one. And then this is the one I've literally just come out of last night, which I really, really want listeners to hear. Um, I have spent the last four weeks in an online relationship with a man who, who professed his deep love for me and I ended up falling in love with him and to find out last night and only by my my adult children being here and we're just probing and probing that the whole entire thing was a scam he was trying to get money out of me at that po- at this point um he he actually didn't ask but the situation was I was meant to meet him today um up at the gold coast and I think if he actually had turned up, he would have been putting it on me then and there. And it was basically he had said he had, was involved in a very high-profile job. Uh, the Chinese, he was bringing in materials. I'm, I'm telling you this so you know the scenario. He had had to fork out of his own pocket for expenses he didn't um, know were there. 
I told me in the end that he was short 20000 which meant he wouldn't be paid out for the contract. Oh, and we cut out there. Okay. All right. So first of all, I love this bitch, right? <laughs> I love it. What do you hear? Tell me everything. How are you responding? My first point is if you don't use it, you lose it, right? Yes. Especially for women, but also for men, for everyone. You don't use it, you lose it. And I think we've all been there in relationships where things have got a little bit stale and mundane. So I'm really glad to hear that she got back on the wagon. Yes. She was getting her needs met and actually started to know what it was that she was looking for. Mm. Mm. Point two, when she says she's a squirter, I beg to differ that anyone with a pussy can squirt. Right. The whole idea of saying someone is a squirter is actually only talking about the people who understand that they're squirting or have been made to squirt before. Yeah. But I guess we've been shamed into believing it's so gross and wrong that a lot of people don't engage in allowing themselves to squirt. I went into a deep dive a few years ago to understand it because I like Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I like to I like to squirt gush, make other people do that. And I was curious as to how it all works. So when you're about to squirt or gush, Mm. the sensation is very similar to urinating. Yes. Why often people are like, no, 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 stop, 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 because they feel like they need to pee. It's actually coming from a different place and it's not urine. So Mm. when you allow yourself to push past that, that's Mm. actually whenever you squirt or gush. Mm. So for anyone listening at home, have a try. It's just mostly about G-spot stimulation and clitoral stimulation at the same time. Mm. Not milking the sponge. (laughs) (laughs) The the, the G-spot, the spongy bit. So, yes, when it comes to squirting, it's actually something that lots of people are capable of doing if they allow themselves to and feel comfortable in doing that. Well, and how would you even, like, look at her situation. She's been in a monogamous, sounds like for at least part of it, sexless um, Mm -hmm. relationship for 28 years, Mm -hmm. let alone the fact that even if you're dating and progressive, people don't talk about squirting and flooding and blankets and all the rest of it. There's still taboos around this stuff and misinformation. So how would would you even know to explore it? Yeah, that's right. I'm so so proud of her for, like, raising it, you know, and raising it without... Um, any kind of shame or it, it felt like self-consciousness she's just like mm. oh my god I've discovered this I assume she's probably similar age to me I've mm. discovered this new thing at this age like amen mm. sister I'm yeah. so proud of you yeah and she am free which is incredible loved it just mm-hmm. you know not apologizing for it this is one yeah. of the big things that we try and talk about same when you're on the apps or whatever don't apologize for oh, I have this difference or I'm done. like you are who you are. There's someone for you. There's yeah, probably multiple I, people for you. Totally. And give it a go. It feels really good. Yeah. Uh, the catfishing thing though. Oh my Ugh. God. Is this like really fucking common? Yes. it is. Look, it is one of, I'm always in two minds because I think that there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of hangovers from just sex negativity and shaming that, are in the discussion about online dating that even if they're not specified or they're not explicit, it's really about going, oh, you're all just fucking around, aren't you? As opposed to, um, yeah, some people are just fucking around. Like you could meet a guy at the pub Mm. who could do the same thing. 
yeah. you could meet a woman at work who could mm-hmm. do the same thing. I mean, you and I, me more so, are old enough to have been growing up in that era where you would pick up in a nightclub. You have anyway. no fucking idea who you're meeting. Oh, totally. So, yes, it's a platform for scammers, but it's not like they weren't doing that before, mm-hmm. right? Of course mm-hmm. you've got to be, and it sounds like, I mean, obviously the call cut out, but it sounds like she was onto it and that's the key. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> Do not, let's be explicit, do not give someone money that you're dating. No, unless you've been with them for a considerable length mm. of time, you mm. shouldn't be needing to lend someone that you're dating money. I'm sorry. No. Do you no. know what? Someone having their finances sorted out. Oh, Renee, I couldn't agree more. I could, and that doesn't mean that they're wealthy. No. It mean, my friend Maria, she talked about going on a date and she said <laughs> she's a quirky little thing and she said to the guy, how much debt do you have? She's like, I don't care how much debt you have, but I want to know that you know how much debt that you have. And that was, I don't know, 15 years ago, and I've always remembered that. It's not about your income. It's not about what you own. But if you are chaos Mm. with your finances, then that is going to impact me. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. Love it. Spreadsheet, agenda. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I know I don't appear to be like having my shit together as this crazy oh I think you do but I'm actually really fastidious about this stuff yeah no I can say that from nothing you know I come from absolutely nothing and I said that would never be me so I made sure that that was not me and budgeting is a big part of that I'm the same there's no safety net I am the safety net right so I am bloody onto it and it makes me the thing I've noticed in dating actually speaking and it's relevant with the caller I've noticed that I didn't even know at this age that if I am on a date with someone where I know that they are organised is not the right word, but, you know, they've got their shit together, Yeah, that makes me free to be playful, mm-hmm. right? Because if they're chaotic, I sort of go into mum mode. Yeah. Like I start to actually become the sort of school captain where I'm mm-hmm. worried, yeah. you know, I'm worried for them, I'm worried for me, and then I'm not flirty. And I'm not fun and I'm not the version of myself that I want to be on a date. Mm-hmm. It's and that often, baseline. As women, we want to fix things for people. Oh. <laughs> oh. Huge red flags. If there's any money questions involved, nope. Absolutely. Not. Yeah, and go and walk away. I mean, it's different if someone goes, for me it would be anyway, if they went, oh, you know, um, we're on a date. I'm a bit short this week. Can you pay for dinner? Fine. That's a whole different thing. Can you lend me $500? Not a $20,000 dinner. $20,000 dinner. Can we go <laughs> back to the fun part? Yeah. My God, for a start, what beautiful stuff she said about the podcast. Like it actually, I mean, it makes me, oh, I don't even know what it makes me, all the feels, you know, to imagine someone in that situation in the middle of the night, like drawing some comfort from this little project, you know, like it's beautiful. But that's what you offer. It's not just like that nurturing mum thing, but it's also shared experience and sharing your experience, which actually is quite similar probably to a lot of people who've Mm. never been able to speak about it or assess that. So that's Mm. wonderful. It's wonderful that she found you and that you could bring her comfort in those difficult times. It made me clutch my chest as I I know. It's It's so, because you know, you know what it's like, any creative person, you put stuff out, you don't know 
what impact it's having. You don't know. So thank you for that feedback. And I just love, I know from my own experience and from our callers, it takes a lot of guts to start again. Mm. It takes a lot of gut, like it's really vulnerable and all your shit, all your wounds, um, everything comes up. So the fact that some people never get past that, you know, they don't. Mm. And I really admire that she's gone, you know what? I'm not done yet. Mm. not done yet like I've there's Mm. something and look at her discovering a bloody dom and my sex drive is how many times do you hear women say I don't even really care about sex yeah and then they become single (laughs) yeah you don't use it you lose it exactly right Mm. um what do you know what was it called was it a flood blanket Oh, yeah, there's whole sorts of them. The Instagram ads are constantly telling me about these square blankets. I'm like, I would love, <laughs> I would love to see your algos. Fuck it out. I don't actually have social media anymore, but whenever I did have social media, yeah, the algos knew me too well. Oh, yeah, I <laughs> no doubt. Um, now, I had um, a letter and a call, but I'm going to get you back on to do those because we've gone over time. All right, so we're going to end um, this episode. Firstly, will you come back on because I have more questions for you? I have so much more to say, so yes, please. I would love to have you back on. And, of course, that is the vulnerable position where you get to ask me a question and I dread Renee (laughs) in the driver's seat. (laughs) I used to have my own podcast as well, so I love this stuff. Um, (laughs) Are we not going to get to do our there are 10 but bit. Oh, we 100% are going to add on no shade on my ex. Okay, so cool. you tell me something. It can be superficial, could be deep, stupid okay. shit that an ex did. Go. Okay. Well, I'm pretty sure that my first ever proper girlfriend was just with me to learn how to be gay. Oh, was she, she working dressed- it out? Yeah. She dressed mm. up as me for Halloween one year. Oh, Renee. <laughs> kind of scary and heartwarming at the same time what did she wear oh I used to yeah I used to look pretty out there like kind of a bit punky looking and so yeah. she just had to recreate my look oh my lord yeah. while you knew her yeah while we were together oh no no <laughs> no that's fucking creepy did that creep you out a little bit but I was also so young I just didn't really understand what was happening Upon reflection, I'm like, that was a bit strange. Wow. All right, I'll do you a deal. Next Halloween I'll dress as you and you can dress as me and we'll go trick-or-treating and we'll reclaim that memory. You're going to dress like a slutty teenager? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I am. (laughs) Cool. (laughs) That's definitely aesthetic. Now, there are 10 buts. So imagine, can you conjure up in your mind like a celebrity that if I said you can or someone well-known, you can go on a date with this person, who would it be? Oh, God, you hit me with a curveball with that one. I don't know, actually. I don't really see celebrities in the way that people see celebrities. I feel weird about the whole way that people put them on a pedestal. So I've never really had a celebrity crush. Crush. When I was young, young in Ireland and just, like, realising I was into chicks, I had a bit, pretty big crush on pink. But I think a lot of lasers did at that time. Oh, actually, you know what? It would probably be Annie DeFranco. Oh, my God. 
Because, I mean, that woman defined me as a bisexual, as a feminist, <gasps> as a musician. Yeah. All right, I'm going to blow your mind. She touched me on the shoulder once. Yeah. Fuck. Yes. Yeah, ex-girlfriend as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, pretty much fingered you <laughs> there and then. <laughs> With her little plastic castle. All Stop right. it. Oh, that's incredible. So you are on a, let's say you're on a date with Annie DeFranco and you're like beside yourself and this is great and there's good bands and there's flirts and the juices are flowing, but she does something where you go, oh, fuck this, I'm out. Like she's a 10, but I'm out of here. What is it? Talks in a baby voice. Oh, just, yes. Just do not. You've just made my whole vagina close over. Yeah. Yeah. Concreted. Mm-mm. Yeah. 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 Give me mm-hmm. an example. You mean like ordering something from the waiter or? But like talks to me in a baby voice, like that whole lovey-dovey baby. Mm-mm. No. baby. No, I don't even like, like I can't be called baby. Yeah. Just do yeah. not. Just yeah. Do oh, not. no, I'm with you. Now, yes. before we go, can you give your business a plug, please? Because there's no doubt people listening who are looking for a wonderful queerdo celebrant. Yeah, au. I don't discriminate. I marry all kinds of humans. You just got to be cool and creative and not like a micromanager. Yeah, yeah. Trust me me to do my thing. I promise you'll have a wonderful time. Yeah, you know what you're doing. Yeah. There's a point with like I'm that like with my hairdresser, I'm like, but you know what you're doing. Like I'll give you a broad idea. But I'm not gonna sit go cut here, do this, add that top. How the fuck do I know I'm not a hairdresser? That's right. Same with the celebrant. Same for me when I'm emceeing events and people try and micromanage and you're like, why are you paying me? Mm, totally. You know? Well, I'm a triple threat, so I offer celebrant MC and DJ packages so people can have do the whole thing. I also do Dolly Parton drag as well if anyone's into that. Oh. <laughs> but I will probably roast you on your wedding day with consent, oh. of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been married, but if I get married, you'll be the celebrant and I will roast you back. Yeah. Just bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Renee. That was adorable. Thank you for having me. All right. See you, sweetheart. Dear Nelly, I could use some advice. Dear Nelly, yeah, some help would be nice. Dear Nelly, I'm eager to hear your point of There's a lot to explore, dear Nelly, when you're 40 or more, dear Nelly, so I'm hoping we can talk it through. Do. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Dear Nelly. Now, don't be shy. I would love to hear your questions and comments. To send me a recording or an email, go to nellythomas.com and follow the links. It's super easy. And you might hear me talk about your question in a future episode. Huge thanks to producer Sam Peterson from the Producer Boy Creative Production team and to producer Faye Younger, who in addition to being an excellent human, is also a brilliant real estate buyer's advocate and can be found at youngerhill.com. Thanks to ACAST and all the team. And lastly, to you. Without the listeners, I'm just a middle-aged mole talking shit to no one. Please rate, review and consider subscribing for five bucks a month for a bonus episode and to help me keep the lights on. And tell your bloody mates, would you? I'd really appreciate it. Love yous.